There are two teams in college football this season as of November 5th at 9.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time that radiate dominance. That doesn't mean there aren't other teams in college football that at the end of the season we may look back on and say, oh, that team, whether it's Alabama or Ohio State, those are two teams that I think are dominant in general. Maybe those teams are the most dominant at the end of the season, but two teams that I think radiate dominance. You watch them, and they punk almost every opponent that they have faced. They have some ups and downs, but overall they look like an elite college football team with bottomless talent, depth, explosiveness, great play in the trenches. Those teams are Michigan and Oregon. Those two teams radiate dominance. And I want to talk about Oregon today because this team, they beat California 63-19. to This is a team that last year would have beaten California probably in a similar fashion as to how USC beat California this year. The defensive side of the football for Oregon has completely transformed. This offense right now is just lighting it up. The Ducks are scoring 47.4 points per game, which is first nationally. They're allowing 16 points flat, and they're rushing for 6.4 yards per carry and passing for 9 yards per attempt. Those are elite numbers. Period. Amen. If this is not an elite college football team, I don't know who is an elite college football team. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And if you're an Oregon fan, welcome to the best Big Ten football channel on the YouTube. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you won't miss when I talk about the Oregon Ducks, the Washington Huskies, the UCLA Bruins, the USC Trojans, or any of the current 14 Big Ten teams like Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, to name the biggest and best Big Ten teams at this current moment, and also Nebraska, Rutgers, Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan State, and many other Big Ten football teams. I am excited for Oregon to join the conference next season, and I am rooting for Oregon and Washington in particular to have success in the Pac-12 and rematch for the Pac-12 championship game. The winner of that game, if those two rematch and Washington wins out and Oregon wins out, the winner will, I think, be guaranteed a college football playoff spot. Comment your thoughts on Oregon football down below. Check out my Patreon page if you want to support the channel and gain some bonus content, to put it quickly. And also like this video so we can get it into the algorithm. I think the Oregon Ducks are an elite college football team. Let's look at their resume. This season, Oregon has beaten Portland State, Texas Tech, Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford. They lost in a very close road rivalry game against Washington, who right now is 9-0. They beat Washington State. They crushed Utah on the road in dominant fashion, and they crushed California at home, although California did hang some points early on and was playing somewhat competitively, but Oregon easily pulled away. The Ducks are third in FPI. The last time Oregon was this highly ranked in football power index 
was not 2022 or even 2019. They weren't in the top five either of those years, and Oregon wasn't even in the top ten that season. Oregon was number one in FPI in 2010. They were also number one in FPI in 2014. Number three, where they are right now in 2013. And in 2012, they were number two. According to the computers, FPI, and my potential power ranking system, which was down last week due to maintenance and trying to automate that system, but in prior weeks, it had Oregon as a a top four team. And really from the jump, about four or five weeks in when I really started inputting numbers, Oregon was easily a top 10, top 8, top 5 team, and it rose into the top 5, actually into the top 4, before taking a pause due to maintenance for potential power. I wouldn't be shocked if whenever potential power comes back on, which will definitely be in the next week or two weeks, Oregon's number 2. I mean, the way that this team is playing right now, the precision that they have, they assassinate you when you face them. Oregon right now is fifth in game control. They're number four in average in-game win probability. They're only one spot behind the Washington Huskies in both of those statistics, and that's because they have that head-to-head loss with Washington, and Washington controlled about half, maybe three-quarters at best, of that game against the Ducks, and the Ducks have also struggled against Texas Tech on the road for example. That's what the beauty of college football, especially early in the season. You can catch some teams by surprise. This can also happen later in the season, but typically later in the year with injuries and teams becoming more cohesive and settling within their identity. At that point, the true contenders begin to emerge and upsets are more exciting in November, partially because they're less common and it's expected that teams will come forward and put forth their best, their first fruits in the month of November. Oregon did that against California. They play against USC at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. They play against USC, who I think they will smoke. Then they travel at Arizona State, which could be a trap game because only six days after that November 18th matchup, They host an Oregon State team who, along with Oregon, could contend for having the best offensive line in college football. They have a great run game. I think Oregon has a better defense and a better quarterback, but that's a rivalry game. Jonathan Smith outcoached Dan Lanning last season with arguably a worse team. Anything can happen. And and I mean anything can happen. But there's a good chance that Oregon wins out with how they've been playing football. They're 11th nationally in points allowed per game. First in points scored per game, as I already discussed. They're fourth in passing yards per game, averaging 330.6, and they're 11th in rushing yards per game, averaging 209.2. Defensively, defensively, this team is 585 total tackles. They have 28 sacks. They have 39 passes defended, eight interceptions, one returned for six, and six forced fumbles. Comparing this to last year's numbers, Oregon at 18 sacks, so they've added 10 more sacks in four less games. Oregon last year had 16 passes defended, 47 pass deflections. They had six forced fumbles. So on a forced fumbles front, on a sack front, on a physicality front, this Oregon defense is already better. 
And on a secondary front, I think this team, despite losing Christian Christian Gonzalez, I think was his name, at corner. Pardon me if I forget. I'm not a big NFL guy, and I didn't cover Oregon much last season. But despite losing NFL players, the Ducks reloaded via the portal. Kyrie Jackson's a great example of this. He's a great corner for the Oregon Ducks. I really like this team. I mean, these Oregon Ducks are tough, and statistically, they're one of the most impressive teams in the country. From a points-per-play margin aspect, I think this is one of the most reliable, underrated statistics to look at. Oregon is second. They have a 0.371 points-per-play margin, which is second, only behind number one Michigan. And Oregon is a tougher strength of schedule, and a I'd argue, even with their one loss right now, better strength of record than Michigan. I mean, Washington is a top-four team. Michigan has faced no one even close to a top-four team. Now, I personally am not someone who cares a ton about strength of schedule or strength of record until you get down to who should get into the college football playoff um, between two teams who aren't undefeated, or maybe in the 12-team playoff, I think a three- or two-loss team deserves to get in over a one-loss team who just has a uber-weak schedule. But that's beside the point. In terms of power ratings, strength of schedule, strength of record, I personally don't care. An example of predicting games is when, let's just say, Oregon and Washington played. You know, Oregon, they faced Texas Tech. Oregon had arguably, I would say, had the better strength of schedule heading into that Washington game. They beat technically a ranked Colorado. They went on the road and played Texas Tech. Washington, before hosting Oregon, and I know this was very early in the season, so it's different. They played at Arizona. We didn't know Arizona was good at the time. And Michigan State and Boise State were probably their next toughest games. Oregon had the better resume entering their matchup against Washington, and Washington ended up winning. And another example I think that's critical to look at is Oklahoma-Texas. Texas went on the road and beat Alabama. They had the better strength of schedule, better strength of record. Oklahoma looked better statistically. We now know that they were flukish, fraudulent, gimmicky, whatever you want to call it. They still beat Texas fair and square. That was the game. And the longer these teams play and the statistics stay constant when they play, that's an indicator of a successful team, even if their strength of schedule, strength of record isn't all that to be impressed by. Michigan is an example of this. They're number one or top 10 in almost all of these categories. They're number two in average passer rating allowed. They're top five in yards per carry allowed. They're number one in points per play allowed on defense, and I think number four or three or maybe two in total points per play. Just incredibly dominant team. Now, you have to tweak things when you look at strength of schedule and strength of record because it does matter. But for Oregon, you know, playing Washington, playing Utah on the road, playing Texas Tech on the road, and, you know, having areas where they can be tested and they have faced a top four team, I don't think that there's a need to say in the back of your mind that maybe Oregon just hasn't been tested yet and some of these statistics could be fraudulent. 
they're they're battle tested. They're number two in points per play margin. They're ninth in yards per point margin. They entered the top ten after being outside of that last week. They're fifth in points per play. They're third in yards per play. This is an explosive offense. Their secondary was outside of the top 25 and rating allowed. It's entered the top 25. And a lot of that is due to a wonderful performance by Michael Penix. When it comes to the ground game, they're top 15 in yards per carry allowed. They're seventh in opposing points per play. And they're 13th in opponent yards per play. That tells you that they are more efficient at keeping teams out of the red zone or keeping them out of the end zone, either or, and making them settle for field goals or just forcing turnovers because they're they're worse at allowing yards than points. It's better to allow the yards than allow the points, for example. So this is a disciplined team. This is a team that is explosive, not just offensively, but defensively. They nearly have 30 sacks in nine games. They're averaging over three sacks per game. I'm very impressed with this Oregon team, and Dan Lanning is bringing that SEC level of trench play to Oregon. SEC defense is being brought to Oregon. At the same time, though, he's keeping that, you know, what we've been accustomed to at Oregon is great skill position play, great quarterback play, great running back play. And he's kept those here, and I think that's the mark of a good coach. Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12, I think. I know that they lost to Washington, but I think objectively they're better than Washington. I just think that Washington outcoached Oregon. And Kalen DeBoer outcoached Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning going for those three fourth down attempts, not thinking to run the football at any point in those fourth downs, bad decision, bad call. You take the points or you work with your strength, test the run, especially since Oregon was able to run on Washington during that matchup. And Oregon's efficient with their talent as well. Bo Nix right now, he's top five in quarterback efficiency with an 85.6 QBR, which is third nationally. 25 passing touchdowns, two interceptions. He has a 180 passer rating this season compared to a 165.7 last year. Will Stein has helped him improve as a quarterback. He's also only been sacked four times. Oregon is one of the best, if not the best, pass protection offensive lines in the entire country. This team's incredible. Their strengths are an elite offense. They have a great defensive front and an elite adaptable quarterback. Road Bonix no longer means a quarterback who will turn it over and will hurt your chances of winning. Road Bonix now means a quarterback who can and this is rare of quarterbacks, but can go on the road and win win a football game for you and give you a better chance to win. Bo Nix this season has performed extremely well on the road. Against Utah, he was 24 of 31 for two touchdowns and 48 passing yards. He had a 95.7 quarterback efficiency rating. Against Washington, he had 337 yards, two passing touchdowns, and he had an 81.4 quarterback efficiency rating. And at Texas Tech, I know they played Stanford on the road, but Stanford, Stanford, they stink. Even though they beat Washington State, which is pretty pathetic. Nick said 359 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a 77.6 quarterback efficiency rating. He's an efficient quarterback on the road. He's a transformed man, transformed quarterback, all in the great way. 
and he's an elite college quarterback right now, and he might have a future in the NFL as well. There aren't many weaknesses for this team, but I think they've struggled to defend the pass at times. Granted, when you face Washington, I don't think anyone could defend their passing attack if Penix is playing at a high enough level. And that secondary now is top 25 in average passer rating allowed. It could be a great near-elite secondary rather than just a good secondary by the end of the season. I think this team is a great shot of reaching the college football playoff, and make sure to tell me what you think down in the comments section below. Thank you to my patrons for sponsoring this channel and supporting this channel. I appreciate you so much. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description if you want to support the channel, or if you want bonus content and want to support the channel. Thank you to Crash2488 and Anthony McDowell, my Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, my All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Seal, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, my All-Conference patrons. Have a phenomenal night, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.